Well, hello, hello, my breastie. This is Junie with episode 12 of the Tata Cancer podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all about tamoxifen. So um, this is a very controversial subject within the breast cancer community, a lot of opinions, and uh, I have some of my own strong opinions on this. Uh, we have reached episode 12. I cannot believe it. 12 is actually kind of a special number to me because my name means 12. I'm half Japanese and Juni in Japanese is 12. And no, my parents don't have 12 kids or some weird obsession with the number 12. They were just beatnik hippies. <laughs> but hey, anyway, in Farsi, I didn't know this until later on in life. Uh, one of my best friend is uh, Iranian and um, Juni actually means beloved or sweetie in Farsi, which is so much nicer than 12. So I'm going to go ahead and go with that meaning of my name. But anyway, back to the subject at hand, we're going to be talking about tamoxifen, why they prescribe it, a little bit of the history, some side effects, how you can prevent those side effects. And then I'll tell you my tamoxifen story and my stance on it. Uh, it's something I wanted to open up about. I've been really nervous about, to be completely honest with you, and I've been putting up this episode. But it needs to be talked about. And I'm thinking that I want to be somebody who is willing and interested in talking about this with people. So uh, here we go. <laughs> Let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Tata Cancer Podcast, where we will discuss the physical and mental elements of healing from a breast cancer diagnosis. My name is Junie Boucher. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a breast cancer survivor. When you're diagnosed with breast cancer, you're forced to make life-changing decisions with so much information that's really hard to sift through. My intention is to help provide you with the information you need to make a decision that's going to align your body, mind, and heart so that you can live your best life going forward. I'm going to be your new breast friend. Okay, let's do this. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Please always consult with your doctor for any of your medical needs. Woohoo. Okay, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> it is springtime in Los Angeles. Um, it is so weird. It'll be like 65 one day and then 95 another day, um, kind of making me crazy. But hey, whatever. This is an episode about tamoxifen, not the LA weather. <laughs> okay, so what is tamoxifen? Um, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you are going to be prescribed tamoxifen or you've been prescribed tamoxifen. Um, and basically what it is, if you are unaware, is that typically once you've had your surgery and other treatments like chemo or radiation, if you have a estrogen receptor positive or an estrogen and progesterone receptor positive hormonally driven cancer, you will be 
offered tamoxifen by your oncologist. And tamoxifen, basically what it does, it is called a CIRM, an S-E-R-M. So what a CIRM, the definition of a CIRM, is a selective estrogen receptor modulator. So it'll block the estrogen from feeding the breast cancer cell growth. So basically, if you had surgery to remove your cancer, chemo and radiation, essentially what the tamoxifen is doing is going to try to prevent the growth of any cells that may have been missed, any cancer cells that may have been missed. And it essentially will block those receptors on the cancer cells so that the tumor or cancer cell won't grow further. This would typically be prescribed to a woman that is premenopausal, so still menstruating. And, um, you know, if you're a younger breast cancer patient, like many of my listeners are, and like myself, the typical course is five years, but a lot of women now are being prescribed tamoxifen for 10 years. So there were some studies done that showed, oh, well, uh, 10 years is actually better than five years. And, you know, if you were diagnosed in your 20s or 30s or even your early 40s, they figure that you have so much more time to potentially have a recurrence that it's better to protect you this way. So approximately 67 to 80% of breast cancers in women are ER positive. Approximately 90% of breast cancers in men are ER positive and approximately 80% are PR positive. So a lot of people are taking this medication. Tamoxifen is also prescribed sometimes to women who have a very high risk of breast cancer. So maybe they have the BRCA gene and a you know strong family history, just a lot of risk factors. They'll give this as a preventative measure for women. Um, so the, the tamoxifen is basically sitting in that receptor on the cancer cell, blocking the estrogen that your body is making or that are coming in through exogenous sources. Like, so we've talked about, um, you know, a lot of the toxins in our beauty products, in our foods, in, um, you know, BPA can lining, stuff like that, that are endocrine disruptors that can act like estrogen in the body and stimulate these cells. The, uh, the tamoxifen goes in and, and really blocks that because they're sitting in that receptor. It also mimics estrogen in the uterus and in the bones. But (laughs) there are some problems with this approach because it can cause side effects because basically estrogen does good and bad things for the body. And when you block a lot of the estrogen, the good stuff that needs to happen is going to run into some issues. So many women who are on this medication have what are considered menopausal symptoms. So we'll talk about the symptoms in in just a second here, but I just want to give a little bit of the history of tamoxifen because, you know, in some ways this was a groundbreaking drug and, um, just for a little bit of background on me, I do come my job before I, took a leap of faith and um, decided to start doing 
this, you know, I was working in the legal world and we did handle a lot of cases for against the pharmaceutical industry. So I have knowledge and you know, just to be completely honest, I do have some bias. I am very skeptical. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen how the FDA process works, how flawed it is, and how drug companies, uh, in my opinion, will oftentimes put profits over the safety of their patients. So I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but I do think it's important to give a little bit of history on the pharmaceutical background of this medication. So um, tamoxifen was introduced in 1962 um, by the company. It was ICI, which is now a part of AstraZeneca, which is kind of like a one of the pharmaceutical giants. Um, so it was it was developed as a contraceptive pill. And uh, what they found was that it did not actually work well as a contraceptive pill because it could actually stimulate instead of suppressing ovulation in women. So the, um, the leader of the team, Arthur Whalepole, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, he was feeling really passionately about this. And he wanted to develop tamoxifen as a treatment for breast cancer. And the interesting thing about this is um, because tamoxifen is now one of the best-selling drugs in the world. It has over a million prescriptions. But in the 1980s, clinical trials showed that you could use tamoxifen as an adjuvant therapy to surgery and chemotherapy in the early stages of disease. You could also use it as a preventative for occurrence and reoccurrence in women at high risk of cancer. So it was the first preventative medication for any cancer and uh, is considered a chemo preventative drug, which, um, you know, really kind of made this blow up (laughs) and, um, yeah, so tamoxifen, the brand name Nolvidex, is prescribed uh, in extremely high numbers. There's only generic versions now. Um, so basically, uh, actually, AstraZeneca discontinued per- making Nolvidex or tamoxifen, I think it was in 2006 or several years ago um, because of all the generics that were available. So the good news about that is that it is relatively inexpensive if you have insurance. And, you know, with tamoxifen, it's really one of the only treatments that they have. And the statistics vary wildly. Um, I have seen statistics that say that it can prevent um, breast cancer from coming back uh, up to 17% or um, up to 50%. I mean, 50% is kind of crazy. I think my oncologist told me 33% uh, cuts it by a third. So, but in doing research for this episode, I saw as high as 50%. Now, this is all super dependent on your specific cancer. And that's something that I really want to emphasize. Not only is cancer treatment not an exact science, which makes it so frustrating. <laughs> you know, like you never really know if what you're doing is going to be the be all sure thing. There is no sure thing with cancer treatments and 
cancer prevention. It just doesn't work like that, unfortunately, which is why I think it's important to acknowledge other factors. And we're going to discuss that later on in this episode. But, you know, they're looking at whether or not this is going to prevent cancer from coming back in your other breast if you didn't have a double mastectomy, even though you can still have a recurrence in a breast that's been removed surgically. Um, and it also reduces the risk of your death by from breast cancer. And the effects that it has in your body last long after you discontinue taking it, which is why they had the five-year rule. Um, again, if you're a younger woman, they will recommend, likely recommend that you take it for 10 years. Now here's where it gets a little bit tricky. <laughs> so tamoxifen believe it or not, is actually classified as a carcinogen by the World Health Organization. Because one of the things that happens with tamoxifen is that it can thicken the line of uh, the uterus, or more specifically the endometrial layer. It also um, has been shown to increase the risk of blood clots. So if you have a history of pulmonary embolisms or deep vein thrombosis, you you would not be wanting to take tamoxifen. It can also increase your risk of stroke. Uh, It can potentially cause blindness and uh, liver dysfunction. So the hard thing about this medication And you're going to get a lot of differing opinions on this. Again, excuse me for my cough. Again, it is, you know, very, very individual. And there are a lot of things you have to weigh in order to determine if it's right for you. But, you know, they're looking at the fact that, okay, this can potentially reduce your risk of your cancer coming back or showing up in the other breast. Are you dying from the cancer? But that kind of gets or at least in my opinion, there are, it's exposing you to some serious risks of other things. Now, what your chances are of having those side effects, that is something where there's also sort of differing statistics on. Some people say, oh, it's very rare. But uh, the statistics that I've seen have looked quite significant. And, um, you know, there is... I've talked to doctors who say, you know what, I don't love this medication, but it's the only thing that we have. Now, I don't really feel, I feel like that's a pretty short-sighted perspective on this. Because at the end of the day, what is the root cause of your cancer? You know, if you have a hormonally driven cancer, that means that you have an imbalance of hormones. So when you go and basically cut out the cancer, um, burn through the cancer through various treatments, and then just block any hormones from reaching the cancer cells and having the other areas of the body be stimulated by um, this sort of simulated estrogen, you are not necessarily looking at the, uh, the terrain, the root cause, like I said, and addressing the main issue. So, 
you may be one of those people that says, you know what, I'm just going to give, I'm just going to throw every single thing that I have at this. And I do remember one thing that my oncologist said that personally I, I felt was kind of disturbing was when I brought up some of my research and said, how do you feel about this? I'm, I'm very curious. I'd like your opinion on this. And she said, well, you know, the great thing about endometrial cancer is, you know, we just take out your uterus and usually it's, it's pretty easy to deal with. But um, I want my uterus. <laughs> I want my uterus. And, you know, there has been more and more talk about the vision side effects. Now, we haven't even gotten into the side effects that a lot of women experience um, you know, the drug itself, they don't necessarily list or clinical studies have shown that they can't really conclude that tamoxifen causes weight gain, but just about every woman that's had some difficult side effects from tamoxifen lists weight gain as that. I don't know if that could be something that's affected by anxiety, depression, sleep issues, um, what else? Okay. So we, I hear about sexual dysfunction. I recently attended the young survivors coalition virtual summit, and they were talking a lot about hormone therapy side effects. And one of the huge side effects that women were talking about was UTIs, lack of libido, inability to orgasm or just difficulty orgasming, uh, less sensitivity and also irritability, mood swings, that's a big thing. Hot flashes is also a very big symptom. And, you know, I just want to take a little time out here. I know this is a lot of information. I know that you may be listening to this because you are researching your own decision as to whether or not you should take this medication. I just want to be very honest with you about all of these potential side effects and risks. Now, <laughs> that being said, there are ways that you can try and offset the side effects. It can be difficult, but it is certainly not impossible. And if you are eating an anti-inflammatory nourishing diet that works with your body, you can help keep a balanced weight. Movement has been shown to be extremely effective for offsetting the effects of tamoxifen. Stress reduction. I talk about it all the time. You know, are you meditating? Are you getting out in nature or doing something that you really enjoy? Are you not saying yes to things that you don't want to do and overextending? Are you getting enough sleep? So that's another unfortunate side effect that women can have is sleep disturbances or waking up in the middle of the night being drenched in sweat because of the hot flashes. There is uh, some insomnia. You can work with a sleep coach. I'm actually going to bring that um my friend Morgan is a sleep coach. She's going to talk about stuff like that. She's also a breast cancer survivor. But if you are keeping your blood sugar balanced, you're eating well, you're exercising well, and you're managing your stress, practicing proper sleep hygiene, you know, 
get off of your screens a couple hours before, try to finish eating two to three hours before, sleep in a really dark, cool room, stuff like that, that can really, really help. And another thing just to to keep in mind, and this is absolutely fascinating to me, is that not every woman has side effects with tamoxifen. Some women experience no side effects. Some women experience all the side effects. Some women experience side effects and then they go away. My young, one of my oncologists, a, a former oncologist who I really loved, she talked about how what she saw with her patients a lot of the time was if they took it for a minimum of six months at about the six month mark, their bodies really regulated and they didn't have the side effects anymore. I have heard that from numerous women in my original breast cancer support group. So it is possible to not have any side effects at all because I've heard that story a million times. I've heard the story, um, oh, I took it and then they went away. Heard that a bunch. And then there's the women who um, have all the side effects or some of the side effects feel it's unbearable and just can't really stand it anymore. And either white knuckle through it or discontinue taking the medication. And studies have shown that a lot of women stop taking the medication. It's been something that's very hard to keep women on who are just feeling miserable on it. And I guess that's where we can kind of lead into my own story. So this is where, you know, this gets kind of vulnerable for me. And I just want to say again, I am not a doctor. You know, I am trained in nutritional therapy. I'm a meditation teacher. I'm a breast cancer survivor. And I am somebody who is very into research and also, you know, has history working with pharmaceutical lawsuits. So I, as you may or may not know from previous episodes, I had stage one invasive ductal carcinoma, ERPR positive, HER2 negative. I opted for a mastectomy. Um, I could have had either a mastectomy or a lumpectomy, but I wanted to go the more extreme approach so that I could avoid doing radiation if possible. Um, I was given the Oncotype score test that determined that chemotherapy would not be beneficial for me. I did not have to do the radiation. And I was told that it was highly recommended for me to do 10 years of tamoxifen. Totally makes sense. They, I, I absolutely understand why they would have uh, given me that option, why they would have given me that recommendation. Truly believe as a, uh, a doctor specializing in cancer and the pharmaceutical treatment of cancer, which is what an oncologist is, that that would be the appropriate recommendation. Now, when I started doing my research, I found all of this information I'm sharing with you today. Um, I also was in a breast cancer support group. A lot of us were really nervous about it and had heard the stories. We're on the Facebook groups, we're on the internet, all that good stuff, Um, which that's also such a personal thing. You know, some people don't want to do any of that and I don't blame them. And there were women in my group who were just like, you know what? I trust my doctor. I'm going to do this. It's easier. I feel secure about it. That's the right choice for me. And 
I 100% support that decision if that's what you feel is right for you. Now, myself, (laughs) I need a little bit more information because I do have some distrust of the medical industry. And I do feel like big pharma can sometimes push drugs on people or basically, as I mentioned before, that a root cause isn't being looked at. And if the true benefit of the drug compared to the risk is being acknowledged, and especially if this is the only option um, that, that exists in the world today. And I even consulted with a woman who has kind of niched in this. And I, you know, that was kind of, yeah, I felt like that was a, a beneficial, but I, you know, not, didn't give me all the answers I was looking for. And um, I said to myself, you know, I don't have children. I talked with my partner at the time, you know, how he felt about it. You know, would you be upset about it? And uh, he said, you know, I trust you. I know who I know how you are um, and you need this type of information and that you're going to do your research. So I, I believe in you and whatever you decide to do, I support you. So Despite the fact that my gut was just saying a huge, very clear hell no, I decided to give it a shot. So let's see, I finished my treatment in, at the end of October, um, I researched for about a month and a half, and I think it was in December that I said, okay, I will go ahead and give this a shot. They gave me a hundred pills and I said, I'm going to take all hundred of these pills. And at the end of the hundred pills, I will reevaluate, which seemed fair. Um, Yeah. So I started taking the medication and I honestly don't really remember how long it took. Oh, Oh, and another thing, you know, I had asked my oncologist, I had said, what do you see in your patients? Do you typically see a lot of side effects or is this just something that people talk about on the internet and isn't really true? And she said, well, you know, it's, it's all over the place, to be honest with you. And I, and I also asked her, well, in the patients that do best on it, do you see anything specifically that they are doing in terms of diet and lifestyle that maybe I could emulate in order to potentially have the best scenario. And she said, well, I, I see usually women who are on a, you know, eating an anti-inflammatory diet, exercising, taking care of themselves. So it's like, okay, I, I do those things. I'm, that's, I'm totally on board with that and more, you know, I was really trying to figure out like everything I could do. Um, yeah. And I said, you know what? I am a healthy person and I take good care of myself. I manage my stress. I think I'm going to do well on this. Again, gut was saying a big no. We don't like this one bit. But I just said, well, let's just give it a try. Because I didn't want that fear of, well, I wanted to feel like I was doing everything I could, right? We all want that. It's so scary (laughs) to be living all the time, being afraid it's going to come back. And, uh, you know, whatever your treatments are, you know, sometimes I have that guilt, which, 
you know, I, I really try to be compassionate about that. Like I didn't have to go through chemo. I didn't even have to go through radiation. I, I lost a breast. It was traumatic. I had multiple surgeries. I, you know, I went through all of this, but it wasn't as bad as blank. Cancer is not about comparisons. You know, everyone has their own experience with cancer. They can find the benefits, but it is traumatic. What Ever stage you're in. So if you are comparing or um, feeling some kind of survivor's guilt, I would encourage you to let that go. You know, allow yourself to do something positive. If, if you want to help another breast cancer patient, there are so many things you can do, but beating yourself up or making yourself feel like you had cancer light or something like that, that's not going to be helpful. Anyway, um, so I took the medication within a couple weeks. I felt absolutely terrible. (laughs) Um, I had hot flashes. Those I didn't really even care about. They, you know, you, they weren't that extreme. I would get hot. I would get sweaty. I didn't really care about that. It didn't wake me up in the, well, no, it did. Uh, it did wake me up in my sleep, but I was able to kind of get back to sleep a little bit. Um, what happened for me mostly was just this incredible irritability and rage. I felt so much intensive rage and that is not me at all. I am a very even keeled person. I am extremely logical and, um, yeah, I have pretty stable moods. And if they are going to get extreme, it's usually extremely silly or happy or playful. I don't get extremely angry. Um, I might get angry at, uh, the pharmaceutical industry or like other things like that, but I don't get angry around people I care about, friends, stuff like that. Um, and I was I just couldn't believe the way that I felt. I also, you know, I've had thyroid disease for decades and I don't know what was going on there, but my thyroid went completely bonkers. Um, I gained like 20 pounds in that three month cycle. Um, I was having trouble sleeping. I felt really tired and fatigued and um, it sucked, totally sucked. Uh, you know, no sex drive. And uh, that that was another thing that a lot of other women had told me was, you know, just be prepared. The, the phrase that I kept hearing was, everything shuts down, down there. And that made me so sad. I couldn't, I just felt like, you know what, I'm, I'm 41 years old. No, 42. I was 42 at that time. I'm 42 years old. Like I'm not ready to let go of my sexuality. And, you know, and that was greatly affected. So I stayed the course. I, you know, I was like, maybe this will resolve. I don't know. I told myself I'd get to that hundred days. The hundred days came and I was like, F this S. (laughs) And, um, again, at the end of it all, my gut had been just saying like, no, this is not for you. This is not for you. This, and also I just, I felt some 
real sense of dread that I might be one of the people that, you know, other things would go wonky with, you know, the stroke, endometrial cancer, vision problems, stuff like that. So I told my doctor, she was not happy about it. That was one thing I did feel very strongly about was I'm not going to lie about it. Um, I'm not going to be super public about it because I didn't want anybody's opinion on it. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't talked to talked about it on the podcast yet because people feel strongly about it. You know, even in my breast cancer support group, I felt like there were people who thought, and this could most definitely be my own projection, but that questioning the doctor or even like looking at some of the stuff was was a little bit dangerous or, um, you know, a, a rebelliousness that that they didn't want anything to do with. And I didn't push my opinion on anybody. I really was kind of, I was, I talked about it. I was an open book, but I, I was really, you know, I, I just don't think you can judge anybody's treatment decisions. So I would probably guess that I might've been a little bit sensitive um, and, you know, that nobody was judging me, but it, there, there was just a tension that I felt in the room when people would talk about it. And, um, so, you know, it's just sensitive because I guess if you're questioning your decision, then it can force somebody else to question their own decision. And if they are very much happy to trust their doctor, which is not a terrible thing, then, you know, you are putting a wrench in their comfort and that sucks too. So... I guess what I'm trying to say on the, the show today is that there are a lot of factors that you have to look at when you're making this decision either to start taking this medication or to continue it if you feel like hell on it, you know? You may want to do what I did. I had a lot of questions and I'm actually working on a, uh, a freebie that you can download that has all the questions that I asked my doctor and the questions that I asked myself. Because here is the big, big question. And, um, you know, I was working with a naturopathic oncologist as well as my regular oncologist, and I was open with both of them about it. And both of them were very honest with me about, hey, if you stop taking this, We're not going to fire you as a patient, which I will say that is one thing that kind of brings up rage in me (laughs) is when oncologists fire their patient for opting out of tamoxifen. Like that's to me is ridiculous and seems so ego driven. It's not even funny, but, um, you know, they said there is no alternative to tamoxifen. It is, it is the only thing that exists. Now, I would kind of beg to differ on that. If you're taking care of yourself in many different ways, if you are addressing your hormone imbalance, if you are managing your stress, and if you are looking at your emotional roots of cancer, changing your relationships, changing the satisfaction that you have in your life, avoiding feelings of hopelessness, resentment, working on forgiveness, then 
I truly believe that this potentially very minimal, and when we did the quote unquote math, um, there was, I think it was like less than 3% benefit to me of reducing my risk of death than something else happening to me or even getting hit hit by a bus. Because <laughs> the thing is, like when we take a medication like this to prevent cancer from coming back or prevent death, yet we're adding a risk of all these other things, like there, there is a little bit of a, of a math equation that can occur. But one thing you have to remember is so many things can kill you. <laughs> like I said, you can get hit by a bus. You can, you know, I mean, heaven forbid, like there in this day and age, like there are just so many things that can happen we really don't know. But, you know, on the converse, some women, if you do the, that mathematical work, the benefit, the risk outweighs, I'm sorry, the benefit outweighs the risk in a very compelling number. For me, the number was not compelling at all. But I still tried it. Um, so I think I kind of, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but that's kind of what this episode is about. So I hope you're okay with it. I'm really just trying to talk to you like the way I would talk to my best friend because you are my breastie. Um, and I want to be honest with you and share what I know and my experience. Um, but yeah, one of the things my, both of my doctors, my naturopathic and my regular oncologist said was, you need to address how you're going to feel if you go off this medication and it comes back. And that is crucial. And I did have to do a lot of work around that. You know, when you're dealing with breast cancer, you are faced with your mortality. I mean, even with early stage breast cancer, I, I mean, I thought about it. I thought about what would happen, not only in that moment, if they got in there and found a lot more than they bargained for, but also, hey, one year from now, 20 years from now, what happens if this comes back? And I, I have made my peace with it. So I am somebody that has decided to put quality of life over quantity of life. I want to not deal with these side effects. Um, I want to feel good in my body. I want to feel like I'm trusting my gut when my gut was so loud. And if I had children or if I was married, you know, there, were, there may be very different decisions being made. But these were the decisions that I made personally. I feel really good about them. And it's allowed me to really dedicate to a healthy lifestyle because I feel like, well, if I'm not going to do this, I've got to be doing all the other things. Maybe even more so than the women that are, I don't, I don't know. But the great thing about taking care of your health, managing your stress, and trying to heal your emotional wounds is that there are only positive side effects to that. And that's what I decided to do. 
And that's part of why I've dedicated ultimately my life to supporting other women, learning everything I can about this disease, the prevention of this disease, how to support the body through the prevention of this disease. And, um, you know, you're going to, if you follow me on social media, you're going to see some, you know, more targeted content at how to make treatment decisions that acknowledge all elements of your being, how to do your own research, um, as well as supporting women who have decided to opt out of tamoxifen or maybe weren't able to take tamoxifen at all in the first place. Because if you have a history of blood clots or other risk factors, if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, like you may not be able to take tamoxifen. So, so what do you do? Because I looked for a practitioner when I was in that position. And I was like, I, I don't really want to take this. Who specialized in this? And I couldn't find anybody. So what I have decided in this last week and I'm feeling really passionately about is <laughs> that's who I am. You know, I will support you non-judgmentally. If you are on tamoxifen and you're struggling with it, but you feel very strongly about staying on it, great. Let me support you through that. Let me help you manage those side effects through food and lifestyle. If you have opted out of tamoxifen for whatever reason, and you want the support, and you want to still feel that confidence that, that you are doing what you can, and maybe you are like me and you have this, you know, rebelliousness or this, yeah, you, you want to go another way because, again, not an exact science. There are no guarantees with anything in life. I just want you to know I am here for you. I am currently focusing my practice on one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, I, I have a group program in the works, but I have decided to really try and do some deep dives with a couple individuals that want to do the work, you know, like there is so much possibility in this diagnosis. And I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast. This cancer is a crossroads. It's a big mirror held up to your life with breast cancer specifically, the topic tends to be, how do I nourish myself? You know, and I can help you with that. I would love to help you with that. And uh, so if this resonates with you, please reach out to me. Um, my email is junie at juniebewell.com. And, um, you know, I, I, I offer free consultations. We can talk about it because I want to see if this is a right fit for you. It might not be. At the end of the day, I just want you to be supportive and have the opportunity to live your best life because I truly feel that I am living my best, healthiest, most fulfilled life. And in my opinion, that is how you fight your cancer from coming back is you live your best life and you live a life that feels aligned 
and that you feel passionate about and that you feel is true to you, true to your values, true to your dreams. And just a little caveat to all this, I'm not saying that anybody who doesn't do all this stuff and doesn't quit the job that they hate and doesn't get out of the relationship that they really don't know if they want to be in, like you're not causing cancer. You, you know, cancer is nobody's fault. It really isn't. But can trapped emotions and um, a denied self create an environment in the body that can potentially open itself to disease? Yeah. Yes. Do I know that that's going to cause a problem for you? No. Do I want you to be happy and fulfilled and just full of purpose and joy? Most definitely. So, uh, wow. (laughs) I'm actually getting kind of emotional right now because I've been so scared to do this episode. And if you're offended, I would say that I'm sorry, but I'm not. Because this is just my truth. And I respect your truth. I hope you respect my truth. But I truly feel we need to talk about this. Um, We need, people need to know the reality of the risks of tamoxifen and the fact that, you know, the way that statistics are provided within the medical industry can be really misleading. So look out for the, um, the treatment decision guide that I'm going to be putting out. I'm putting it out this week. I am vowing that right now. It is April 6th today. Um, when I'm recording this tomorrow is going to be April 7th and, uh, it will be out this week. I will put, um, I will update the show notes because, uh, when this comes out tomorrow, it's not going to quite be ready, but, um, I just want you to know that I'm going to be here to help. And if you want someone to hold your hand and help you figure out what do you eat to create an anti-inflammatory diet, because that does not look the same for everybody. What, um, What areas in your lifestyle could use adjustment? How can you manage your stress? Like, and, and what are some exercises that you can do? Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not going to take you through that, but I can tell you some of the basics of, you know, emotional roots of breast cancer. And we can talk about that. And I can give you journal exercises that you can explore on your own. Um, you know, I'd be happy to talk to them with you you know, just as somebody to bounce things off of, but I, you know, I'm not going to analyze you, but look at things like, how do you feel fulfilled in your life? Um, and if you are on tamoxifen and you're miserable, let me help you manage that because you deserve to feel good and you deserve to feel joyful and happy in your body. Um, and that's why I do what I do. So... Now that I have cried and ranted, (laughs) I am going to wrap this episode up. I hope it was helpful. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you appreciated the honesty. 
I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some of the studies and articles that I, I um, refer to in some of the information in this and that you can check out just as you're doing your own research. And like I said, keep an eye out. It may already be in the show notes by the time you actually listen to this episode, but also on my social media, Instagram at Junie B. Well and Facebook at Junie B. Well. And oh, I'm on TikTok now. <laughs> um, I'm not really good at it, but I'm, I'm on TikTok and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's also Junie B. Well. So um, check me out and I will be posting about it there. I've been doing a ton of free meditation events. So keep an eye out for those kinds of things. And as well as um, on Insight Timer, I'm doing a, um, a live event this Saturday. I'm going to try to be doing more of those and just about like letting go of you know, body image stuff, like raising self raising self-confidence, all that really fun and important stuff. And I am working this month on a bunch of very specific to breast cancer meditations. So I hope that you check those out and that you enjoy them. And, you know, let me know what you think, because, um, I do this for you. Did you know that? <laughs> I do this for you and I just want to provide the information that you want. So, so please know I am always all ears. Again, email me at my, uh, Junie at JunieBewell.com or through social media. Please share, subscribe, leave a positive review. Love you guys. And I'm wishing you well. Bye-bye.